From the capital city, I'm Jordan Lewis. JPD received a report from a business in the 8700 block of Glacier Highway regarding a customer within the store who made concerning comments to an employee while shopping for firearm accessories. Lieutenant Craig Campbell has more. On March 4, 2023, JPD received a report from a business in the 8700 block of Glacier Highway regarding a customer within the store who made some concerning comments to an employee while shopping for firearm accessories. The employee told police that while they were helping the customer, the customer mentioned they had messed up sense of humor and made a concerning comment about school shootings. The employee notified their management, who then called police. Working with the business, JPD was able to identify the man who made the comments, a 23-year-old Juno resident. JPD notified the Juno School District and coordinated responses through their threat assessment team. JPD additional presence of the school on Monday until the man could be contacted. On March 6, 2023, at about him, JPD made contact with the person who was responsible for making the concerning comments. The man denied making this specific comment and said he was just joking around. He didn't mean for the comment to come across as a potential threat. Although the comments were concerning, they do not meet the elements of criminal offense. The man was warned about making such comments in the future. The Juneau School District worked closely with JPD while this investigation was underway. In addition to the increased police presence, all schools implemented additional security measures as school started today. Information is being shared with the staff and families. Senator Matt Clayman, a Democrat from Anchorage, introduced Senate Bill 91 yesterday, a piece of legislation that expands telehealth providers and services available to Alaskans. Last year, the legislature passed House Bill 265, which created a framework for telehealth and statute and ensured Alaskans' access to critical health care. In the summer of 2022, Senator Clayman was contacted by a constituent who was recently diagnosed with amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, or ALS, which required specialty treatment that the constituent had to go out of state to receive. Senate Bill 91 would allow out-of-state multidisciplinary care team members to provide telehealth services. The bill applies when a patient receives care for a suspected or diagnosed life-threatening condition. To receive treatment from a non-physician member of the multidisciplinary care team, Senate Bill 91 requires a document or referral to a member of the multidisciplinary care team by either a physician licensed in Alaska or through a physician licensed out-of-state to whom the patient had a previously established relationship. Senate Bill 91 was referred to the Senate Health and Social Services and Finance Committees. Executive Director Aaron Walker-Teles of Catholic Community Services came on to Capital Chat to talk more on the work that the CCS does in the Juno community. The, the largest body work we do is through Southeast Senior Services. So we have uh, 10 senior centers across Southeast Alaska. We pr- provide a lot of support to seniors and to their caregivers, um, both around health and maneuvering through the system. Aaron also spoke on advocacy for seniors. Absolutely. I mean, it is the season, right? Um, Legislature's in session. And, you know, we're part of AgeNet, which is um, a group of uh, senior providers that is a coalition for folks all across the state of Alaska. And, you know, the state of Alaska provides a lot of support for senior services through grants, um, through the Department of Health, um, through the Division of Senior and Disability Services. And we've been receiving grants from from the state for decades now for our senior services. That includes um, meals like Meals on Wheels, um, transportation for seniors. It also includes things like case management and health promotion. You can listen to the full program on our website, knyradio.com. The Southeast Alaska Conservation Council staff and board announced yesterday that they are choosing to stand with Southeast Alaska trollers in opposing the Wildfish Conservancy's lawsuit, saying that the Wildfish Conservancy's case rests on an implausible and misguided premise that king salmon harvests in Southeast Alaska are the main driver for decline of the southern resident orca pod. 
SEAC also pointed to the environmental degradation in the area of the Seattle-based group that they claim the group ignores. They do not view their decision to stand with the trollers lightly. House Bill 6 would require the State Department of Education and Early Development to create an awareness and prevention curriculum about opioids. The program would be a lesson plan at least 60 minutes in length for grades 6 through 12 and developed with partners from the Department of Health, State, and Tribal Organizations and other entities, according to the bill. The teaching of the program would not be mandatory, although use of the curriculum would be left up to school districts and schools. At the bill's first hearing in the House Health and Social Services Committee on Thursday, lawmakers heard from Representative Rosher, who sponsored the measure, and invited an addiction expert who testified that such a statewide program is needed. Michael Carson, a longtime educator as well as the founder and chair of the Matsu Opioid Task Force, cited the rapid increase in drug overdose and deaths in Alaska. These have been dominated by fentanyl, a highly potent opioid that is found in a variety of other street drugs. Between 2020 and 2021, Alaska drug overdose deaths increased by over 75%, by far the highest rate increase among all states. You can read more about this on our website, knyradio.com. Fire Marshal Dan Jager from Capital City Fire and Rescue came onto Action Line to discuss electrical fire safety tips. You know, in particular with that fire on Friday, it, it did involve an electrical appliance, a toaster. Um, but it's unknown whether there was a malfunction or if it was compromised somehow. Um, but from witness statements, the fire was centered around that and in that general area in the kitchen. And so, yeah, a lot of people ask questions about electrical safety. Um, the biggest thing that we, we always talk about in the past is overloading uh, electrical circuits. One example Jager provided was plug extensions that could increase the number of devices that could hook into an outlet. While they may be useful, they can generate greater strain and need for power to an outlet beyond what may be safe. And so what you'll have is the appliances that are plugged into that are drawing so much energy that it's forcing, it's like water flow is how we look at electricity. So the more you're, more water or electricity you're trying to flow through the pipe, or in this case a wire, it causes resistance from friction. And what ends up happening is, is that it breaks down over time, and now you're heating up the, uh, the plastic covering around it, and that's where you start having the electrical issues from uh, appliances that are too much of a draw. Old wiring can also play a role in electrical fires. This topic was discussed following the residential fire that took place at the trailer park on Friday, March 3rd. Jager also spoke on volunteer opportunities. Well, like I said, there's, uh, there's always EMS, so being EMTs, uh, we'll provide training for that. There's firefighting, we'll provide the training for that as well. We have special teams which do water rescue, ice rescue, um, things like that. We, we can provide the training on that. Um, any kind of other support that they can uh, fit into, such as public education, uh, we'll definitely use people for that. Um, if they just want to volunteer their time doing something else that maybe we don't have under the umbrella that we do, bring it forward. We'll see if we can utilize somehow and, and find a way to plug in. You can listen to the full interview on our website, knyradio.com. And high school sports injuries are decreasing nationally, but increasing in severity. ABC's Chuck Sievertson. Researchers reviewed a national database of high school sports injuries for boys and girls. Total injuries are down, but rates of head and neck injury and injuries causing students to be out more than a week are higher. 44% happened in boys football. About half of those were concussions, an increase, but repeated head injuries decreased. The American Heart Association report credits prevention efforts. Girls soccer had the second highest rate of injury, mostly head, neck, and leg injuries. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. Never miss a story or a newscast on knyradio.com. 
Now you're up to date. I'm Jordan Lewis for News of the North.